Massive roster rebuild. That was uh, some of the first words out of Brent Venable's mouth as his uh, press conference has been going on for about 15 minutes now. And I got to listen to a few minutes of that before I hopped on air. And uh, the old ball coach had some very interesting things to say. Uh, In the first few minutes, he pointed out that they had 76 scholarship players the day of the Alamo Bowl when OU beat Oregon. Um, 53 of those 76 scholarship players that were there for that Alamo Bowl season are no longer on the roster at the University of Oklahoma. So if you want to talk about massive roster rebuild, yeah, in less than two years, and really what, Josh, about 14 months or so, 53 scholarship players out of the 76 you had or in the NFL or out the door or wherever else they're at. Like, that is what we would call a massive roster rebuild as uh, Josh Helmer joins me for this hour today. What's up, man? Happy to be with you. Good afternoon. Yeah, that's crazy. That is uh, a staggering number that you've had in terms of turnover what what's the percentage on that I don't I mean, I'm not like that quick on math right? yeah I even if you gave me five minutes I still don't think I'm good enough at math to come up with that number but it's it's staggering man and uh they're bringing in 37 guys just this transfer portal and recruiting cycle and they are bringing in a lot of bodies on the defensive line a lot of bodies on the offensive line like it's not that surprising like this staff at least I think that they know what they're doing so when you hear them say out loud the numbers that they're bringing in as, uh, as positions, it's like, oh, yeah, those are positions of need. They need bodies on the defensive line. They need bodies on the offensive line, and that's where you're going to see a majority of these new faces is in, in, on, on both lines. Just well, crazy when you say those numbers out loud, though. And, and when, you know, this week SP Plus came out with – which. Put what you want into predictive models and analytical stuff, right? Feel how you want to feel about Bill Conley. I know some people feel some kind of way about that. But Oklahoma ended last season defensively ranked 70th, right, according to his sort of analytical model. They enter now, well, this spring and next season 36th. And, Tyler, that's in large part because of what they signed and what they're bringing in from the transfer portal. It's not because of what they did on the football field last season that defensively you're I guess twice as good from where you ended last year. Yeah. Uh, Brent has every single date memorized, by the way. Like most people just write it on a calendar or on a planner on their iPhone or whatever, but I don't even know if he had the dates written down in front of him. I think he was just uh, citing off, hey, March 30th is our pro day. Hey, April 22nd is the OU spring game. Hey, by the way, uh, 33 days until the start of spring football. He knew every single date and how many days away until they are until like he just he's ready to go, I guess. Got everything memorized. Thirty three days until their first spring practice. March thirtieth will be their pro day, and then April twenty second um is their OU spring game. And the man was even listing off dates of when the renewing season ticket renewals are up. He he was even throwing that out. Like he literally has every date memorized on what's coming up. Like, hey, Here's your last day to renew for season tickets. Just kind of a heads up to everyone. I don't feel like most coaches know the last day to renew season tickets, but uh, he's he's all about all the information possible, I guess. It's not surprising because I think about some of you and Teddy's conversations in the past on The Rush where Teddy or yourself, I can't remember – who? But it was probably me, if we're being honest. Well, just saying that <laughs> basically, yeah, that's that's definitely true. That I mean, Brent's got this thing so put together and is so organized down to every last detail that it's just it's not shocking that he knows a bunch of those dates. 
Yeah, so uh, Connor's in there cutting up some audio. I got about four audio clips before uh, I hopped on air, so we'll be playing those throughout the day. Brent Venables, uh, as we, I think still right now he's still uh, speaking to the media, and you're going to hear from every single uh, newcomer uh, today, which is which is really cool and really unique, man. And Brent made the point to that kind of while they're doing it, or why they're doing it is, you know, the fans and the media and everyone, like you don't get a chance to know these kids that come in via the transfer portal. And you really don't know a lot about these kids coming in as true freshmen. So he's saying, like, here's an opportunity for the fans to get to know these guys a little bit more. Because some of these portal guys are going to be here not even 12 months, and then they're out the door onto their next uh, endeavor in life. So I think it's pretty cool by Brent to make every single player available, be it super senior, be it true freshman, and we'll get to hear from uh, from everyone today, which which is awesome. But 53 of 76, uh, 76 scholarship program players that aren't here from the Alamo Bowl is still wild to me. 69%, by the way. Oh, oh nice. Of yeah. course it is. Yeah, of course it is. It, it's a, it's a good known. omen. Good omen. That they're four weeks into their offseason program. Uh, Brent, Brent laid that out. He had this quote, we need to get better to compete in this league. Because he made a comment about, yes, the SEC is exciting and it's coming, but hey guys, we need to get better to compete in this league right now. And when you look at last year's record, uh, yeah, 100%. That, that is absolutely the case. But he did mention the SEC and like not going to run from those questions. And it kind of sparked a thought for me, man, because this is such a uh, – we, we, we put such an emphasis on recruiting this hour. You know, when you think about – the future of home game officials, like official visits, I think you have to get exciting in what the benefit can be overall for OU football recruiting. Like, look at this year's home schedule, for instance. What what home game, Josh, are you just dying to bring in recruits for official visits here? None of them. There's not really one, right? Like, unless... Unless TCU ends up being really good again this year. But that's pretty late in the recruiting cycle to be taking an official visit, right? And I understand that this staff really likes to get those visits in early. Like Brent was talking about the spring game today, and he was emphasizing in that press conference how big of a recruiting day that is. I understand that this staff seemingly wants the official visits to happen almost before the year. But we, we saw last year, they're still going to have official visits during game weekend. And I just think with the overall hype of the SEC, I think that the opponents will be more fun. I think that the crowds will be better. I think the kickoff times will be better as well. Like, I think OU is going to have a much stronger pitch for home game officials than maybe they've had in the past. And I'm really talking about the fun matchups and the environment I just think is overall going to be better in Norman, but... If you play fewer 11 a.m. kickoffs, it's obviously easier for kids who play on Friday night to get to Norman on a Saturday if kickoff is 6 p.m. versus an 11 a.m. start. Yeah, we've heard so much about that. Just the schedule of a weekend, right? I mean, how how quick it is if you have to have an 11 a.m. kick that you basically, I mean, you honestly probably don't even really see the recruits until after the game's finished, right? And, and so playing that in the afternoon or an evening would just be a million times better. Somebody texted us and asked the question earlier, yeah. which th- this will be, I'm sure, a line of thinking conversation that we spend a lot of time on in you know the months and years to come. But basically the, the, the general question was, where does Oklahoma rank in terms of this atmosphere right now versus the 
SEC atmospheres that it's going to join. Oh, man. And, you know, look, it's not top of the Not the consistently. List. Like, on its top end, I think it ranks it, it, it ranks well. But, like, if you, you just want to talk about consistently, then, yeah, I, not, 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 not at the top. Well, and, and just to all of this and to that point, Oklahoma hasn't a lot of times, I think, been positioned to put its best foot forward. Totally agree with because that. Because of the folks that are coming into Norman. So, like what you're talking about with officials, no doubt that's going to be the case for Oklahoma, for Norman, for this fan base to be frothing at the mouth a little bit more often for some of those big dates. Like, we've seen this fan base operate for a Notre Dame, for an Ohio State, on and on and on. Yeah, and and I think they've had big recruiting days when you have marquee opponents like that in town. Like, even the Nebraska game. Wasn't the Nebraska game a pretty big recruiting weekend for Muleshoe and staff, I want to say? Oh, it did have to I, I, I think it was. So now you're going to get that on a more regular basis. I think that that, I think that helps recruiting. Does it change the entire scope of OU recruiting? No, but when you – like maybe you're more apt to have – and maybe that's just the strategy that they want. They want more of these official visits to be in the offseason to where they can spend time, they have more time to de- develop relationships. Maybe they change their thought pattern on that a little bit. If you got LSU and Auburn and Bama coming in on the reg and you've got much better atmospheres. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. Because I keep saying, Josh, that I believe that your first SEC game is going to be a Tennessee. It's going to be a Georgia. It's going to be the sexiest opponent to be in Norman since Ohio State in 2016. And I wonder if, if they make that into a massive recruiting weekend. Like, here we're in the SEC, first big home game. Boom, we've got all these kids on campus. Well, I – both, right? The the first road game I think is going to be a massive road game for Oklahoma, and I'm with you. Whether it's Georgia, Tennessee, take your pick. Somebody somebody big. I mean, it's not going to be a Vanderbilt or somebody like that coming to Norman. So it's, it's going to be huge, man. This is why we keep talking about the, the SEC deal is across the board gigantic for Oklahoma. And some of these individual recruiting battles that OU is going to get into and has gotten into in the past with SEC schools, well, now, whereas, okay, maybe it's an off-season battle and occasionally you get your, your official from somebody down south, now it's, you know, you bring LSU in and beat LSU. I mean, that could decide a recruiting sure. battle in yeah. the future. Yeah, uh, 918 talking about like, what's the home matchup this year that's, you know, you're just dying to bring in recruits. Maybe UCF because it's a new opponent. Will be good weather, LOL. Crowd is desperate for some new matchups. Well, that just kind of proves the point, right? If the UCF game, and maybe you're right, if the UCF game is the game that this staff is looking at saying, all right, if we have a big recruiting weekend during the season, by God, it's going to be the UCF game. Well, that just kind of says it all about this home schedule. Um, Greg from Lawton, dang Tyler, if all of them are going to talk today, are they serving dinner at the press conference? They might need to. I think they're going to be up there for like three and a half, close to four hours, man. It's got to be, right? What, I mean, what, 37 newcomers, and I think they're going to talk to basically all of them. It's going to be a long afternoon up there. That, that's wild. So they've got to uh, – are they bringing them out, the players out in waves? They've got to I be, think right? like in threes or fours, maybe in threes, something like that. I, I heard earlier today. I but. can't believe they're doing that. That is so cool. Yeah, it really is. Uh, just ate a buffalo chicken sandwich. Now I'm going to get high. That's from Ronnie Crimson. <laughs> Good luck, Ronnie. Wait, isn't that supposed to be reversed? High at uh, yeah, high at two fifteen in the afternoon on a Thursday. But no one's judging here. At least Tip- I don't think. Typically, you know, the activity leads to eating the buffalo chicken yeah. sandwich. Tyler, why don't you get to attend the press conferences? Seem wrong. 
I'll be honest, I have no interest in attending the press conferences. I like my preferred method is to watch the press conference here and come up as, with as many audio clips as possible for the show. That's I, I don't care about getting my question answered by the head coach or anybody else. I, I, I'm all about the show, man. I want the audio clips for the show so when the show starts, we've got six or eight sound bites that we can share with the audience. You want to be in the lab. I could be at the press call. Well, I don't know. I... We could, I don't, we could I, make it happen. Yeah, really but I, I, I just I, I don't have any interest in, in doing so. Which does lead to a question that I wanted to get to today for the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. Ronnie Crimson and all of you other texters out there, let's say that you were putting your journalism hat on for one day today at the OU press conference. You were credentialed, and you get to ask one question today to any of the newcomers, to the head coach. That's who's going to be available today. What would you ask today at the uh, OU press conference? Some of you are going to be serious. 80% of you are going to be funny. <laughs> I, I don't care which one you choose. Just text it in, 405-651-3439. All right, Josh Helmer in for Parker today. Parker is over at the press conference. We'll get to your text and a whole lot more coming up next. Keep it locked right here on Locked In. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. No Thune today. Josh Helmer slides in for this hour. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. And the ref army listening nationwide today. Centerville, Virginia. Metairie, Louisiana. Tucson, Arizona. Washington, D.C. has checked in today. Texarkana, Texas. Springdale, Arkansas. Small Oklahoma town of the day actually is Blackwell, Oklahoma where it looks like the OU men's gymnastics team broke down earlier today. Did you see that? Oh, my gosh. I think they're heading to Lincoln, Nebraska, and I think their bus broke down in Blackwell. So they were, like, hanging out. It looked like at McDonald's they were hanging out playing Uno and backgammon. Right there off the highway? Waiting for another bus to show up so they can make the rest of their trip to Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, So hopefully Mark Williams and the squad, they, they make it up to Lincoln. I'm rooting for them. I, I don't know how quickly they were able to get a bus today. All love to our friends in Blackwell, but unfortunate pit stop. E- yeah, and that's not exactly just a short trip away from Norman, right? That's not breaking down in Guthrie and you got to wait maybe uh, close to an hour or so. Like Blackwell, that's that's basically the, the border up there. <laughs> right. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, that's uh, that's tough for them. Washington D.C. God bless America. Exactly. Hey, so we talk a, a lot about the uh, the Big Four defensive linemen on this show uh, in 2024. Williams, uh, Winery, David Stone. Uh, you got Smith and you got Zadavian Sims down there in Durant. Four of the top nine defensive linemen. We put out a, an official over under on how many of these guys OU needs to get, and maybe it's a little bit too aggressive. Two and a half out of the four. Maybe that's a little strong. Like, what's the acceptable number that's for perception, for overall depth in the SEC moving forward? How many of these players does OU need to pull to make you feel good about what they did on the defensive line with, with these four? Well, if they get one area in stone, I think you're fine. Yeah, that's if, one and two. Sure. If, if it's those two, then I think everybody says, okay, I'll take just two if it's those two. And good chance that those are probably the two best defensive linemen in the entire class, by right. the way. I mean, obviously, if you could if you could get three of four, would be gigantic. 
But, uh, I mean, again, if you could just even start with those two and that's that's it, man, you are in such a good place. You start thinking about combining it with P.J. Adebare, with LeBlanc. So, and who knows, right? I mean, the, the transfer portal being what it is, there's probably going to be an addition there that we just don't know of yet between now and then. Oh, yeah, there will be a transfer portal ad, but – how good would that transfer portal ad be? Like, will it? Well, I, I, I mean, I think they're in a position now, and I think they did this this offseason. They, they weren't really going to add someone if they didn't see – I mean, they had to fit a place somewhere. Like, maybe some of these guys aren't starters, but they're at least going to offer you some depth, right, especially on the offensive line. I don't think they were ever just adding to add players. So they'll add someone who can help them on the defensive line, but – I OU's best chance to finally get a game changer. I think we're the four names that we're just listing here, especially those first two guys you just mentioned. There's your best chance to find a game changer going into the SEC. Yeah, and I just don't know how often five star guys, which you know both of those Stone and Winery would be five star guys. I don't know how much they're going to genuinely be relocating. Typically, yeah. Right? I, I know that the transfer portal we've seen some of that, but with defensive tackles and five-star edge guys, I mean, yeah, I'm sure that you can throw a couple of case examples for me, but generally speaking, man, you probably got to get those guys in the signing it's, class. It's, it's normally, well, I, it's the toughest position to find in recruiting, and it kind of feels like, at an elite level anyway, it's the toughest position to find in the transfer portal as well. There's just not a whole lot of elite defensive no. linemen out there, and you're right, if they're at a big-time program, there's some instances where we see those guys leave, but not a, not a whole lot. It almost kind of takes a – it almost has to be like a dumpster fire scenario where the coach has been fired or the coach might be fired or something like that for those guys to leave. But if the situation's good there, it seems like more times or not they're, they're, they're staying. And who knows, maybe Texas A&M will call here pretty soon, but they haven't called yet. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, all right, I asked you guys last segment, if you could ask any question at the press conference today, what would you ask? Um, I got a buddy, Mitch, who, are, who already hit up the text line. Remember when I told you the 80% will try to be funny on this one? Yeah, that was the first one I read from loyal listener Mitch, and he was skewing to the 80% side of things. Let me just say that. All right, Mitch, what you got? Flo- I can't read what Mitch has, actually. That's, <laughs> oh, the, that's I, the point. So it's really good, then. <laughs> yeah. Florida Sooner said, I would ask how many of them were told OU would be in the SEC for the 2024 season. That's a good question. Sure. Yeah. Um, how many of these guys, like these portal guys, I think it's more important for, do you think these portal guys knew that they would be playing in the SEC in the 2024 season, or Brent Venables and staff really did not know when they were going to the SEC? I would say probably more for the signing class, guys. The, the high school kids, probably that was a big piece of their recruiting puzzle. But for a lot of these transfer portal additions unless this thing was just as close to the one yard line as some of the reports out there said that it was then I mean to me it seemed like you kind of lost a little momentum there for a split second to where on the recruiting side for portal additions maybe you weren't selling the idea that hey lock it up throw away the key we're in the SEC next season so I would I would Percentage-wise, say probably more the high school signings yes, probably, yes, probably were, right. were recruited in that fashion versus the portal guys. Yeah, and and you didn't know exactly what year you were going, but I'm sure the pitch sounded like you will definitely play in the SEC here. That will absolutely happen. And honestly, you probably will only play – like they were offering up their best guess. 
I would guess by your sophomore year, we are playing in the SEC. You're going to play one year in the Big 12 and then off to the SEC. And you're right. With those portal guys, how much did that come up in conversation? Who knows? I think the lead pitch was, guys, we need we need help right now. Like, now! Come in. You will play right away. You, you'll play for a big-time program. Doesn't matter which conference it is. Like, we need help, and we need, we need bodies. We need production. Uh, come in right away and help us out. Especially defensively, right? I mean, you just look at what the yards per play, what you surrendered, the scoring defense. I mean, it, literally any important defensive metric you could look at, it's easy to sell to somebody, look, we need your help, and we need your help right now, whether that's whether that's Bothroyd, whether that's Ford, whether that's Sears, whether that's McCullough, on and on and on and on. Uh, this text for the 918 says, my question is to Peyton Bowen. What the hell, man? That's a good-looking question. <laughs> Yeah, um, it sounds like Peyton Bowen has been asked that question. He was definitely asked that question at the uh, Under Armour game out there in Orlando in December. I think it got to a point where he was tired of answering it. And I think by now we kind of know, you know, what was going on there, right? Like, mom and dad maybe had a different idea of what they wanted him to, you know? So, I I think we kind of know what was going on there. Without him outright saying. But it was a wild ride. It was... uh the happiest into a wild recruitment Sooner fans have seen in some time. Uh, from the 405 to BV, boxers or briefs, and how does that help recruiting? <laughs> <laughs> that would be fascinating to see his response. I, I don't know what Brent would say, but I do know that he would offer up a four-and-a-half-minute answer on the boxers versus briefs questions and how it affects recruiting. Man, that is, uh, that's tailor-made for the late, great Mike Leach to – Explore why one is better than the other. To any freshman, says the 918, how much did OU going to the SEC play a part in you coming to Norman? Um, I, I, I would think for some it mattered. I, I bet for those Florida kids it might matter a little bit, you know? Um, I keep telling you because I think it's true. OU did the best job in Florida in one class than maybe they've ever done before. I think that's in part because of the ties that this staff has in the state of Florida, but... The SEC pitch, I'm sure that that was strong with this class, especially with those kids in the Southeast. I don't think it was the lead pitch from the staff, but I definitely think it was a, it was a part of things. Yeah, you would have to mention it, that we're going to be playing out that way, and if not in Florida, then come see us in Georgia, et cetera, et cetera. Bobby from Austin says, you're about to play OU's last season in a conference they've historically dominated and, trans- and transition the program into a new conference in the SEC. What does this last season in the Big 12 mean for this team? And was being in the inaugural team in the SEC important to you when choosing OU as your new home? Dang, Bobby's bringing the uh, Big J journalism questions yeah, right Big there. Big J. He was, he was ready for this. It shows how everybody's uh, thought process works. Some more comedic than others. Some very well thought out. Mine, Tyler, I can't remove myself from, hey, why, why are you going to be better than 6 and 7? I mean, that's yeah. me, like walking up and Just down. straight to the point, right? But it, that's that's the question that – That's what I want ever, answered. Yeah, that's the answer everyone wants at this point. Why, why should I think you are going to be better than 6 and 7? Do you think you would be happy with the response that you got? Probably not until they kick the football <laughs> off right. next season, but hey. Uh, waffles or pancakes? Camo Sooner says, um, Brent, waffles or pancakes? I know the assignment. That is definitely an inside joke to this show. Do you, do you know the inside joke on that one? Waffles or pancakes? Yeah, so uh, we do the segment with Bob, Bob Stoops, every single Tuesday yeah, yeah, at 320. Yeah, yeah. And so it was, I think, the second time we had him on, and I said to the text line, 
because we use it quite a bit. Like, hey, you guys, you know, sit in a question, and I'll I'll pick one and I'll ask it to to Bob. <laughs> For whatever reason, and I don't know why, someone texted in waffles or pancakes, and I chose that one. Hey, waffles or, or pancakes, and it went over about as well as you probably think it would it did yeah. not it did he, not garner much of a response he wasn't he wasn't about that so since that day the text line likes to point out like the waffles or pancake jokes because it fell it fell flat basically there is such a thing as a bad question and waffles or pancakes is it with bob stoops <laughs> i yes. got you yes 100 percent. all right keep them keep them coming 405-651-3439 on the air comfort solutions text line uh, we got a lot to get to today, in, uh, including I asked on our Twitter page earlier today, because I keep seeing this, man. Hey, um, we think Missouri is going to play OU every single year, you know, because they're old don't, rivals. Don't say it. It's, it's, Dude, it's like nails not, on a chalkboard. They're not rivals, though. So I asked Twitter today, hey, have you ever considered Missouri a rival? And some of the responses are, are fascinating. We'll, we'll get to that in a whole lot more coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune. No Thune today. Tyler McComas and Josh Hilmer, we got you till 3 p.m. And then Travis Davidson's going to slide in with me from 3 to 6 this afternoon. Um, I've got several quotes from Brent Venable's availability today. Check this one out. I think this one is the most interesting. Okay, Okay, let's hear it. Quote, Danny Stutzman didn't ask for a playbook for 8 to 10 weeks last year. We had a good conversation about his career. Do you want to be a funny guy, or do you want to be great? Much farther along now, in quotes. That's from Brent Venables. Ooh, okay. I mean, that's. I, I think that that's something that the fan base likes to hear. I, I'm optimistic, very optimistic about Danny going into year three and kind of being the, the leader, being the dude of that defense. But, you know, it's, he likes to be the funny guy on social media, and that's great, but it sounds like Brent sat him down and says, okay, what do you want to be? Do you, do you want to be the funny guy, or do you want to be a great linebacker here? They've sat down, they've talked about it, and Brent says, yeah, he's much farther along now. That's wild, though, isn't it, that eight to ten weeks until he asked for the playbook? Yeah. is is that Was that a Brent Venables, I'm going to wait and see how long it takes? He's talked about that before. I think that there's a lot to that. I think he stopped him in the hall and said, Hey, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you watching film on your own? I think it's I, I don't like Danny's at fault for that too. I, I do think it's a product of kind of the environment that existed before this new staff got here. But if if Stutzman wants to be the guy in that middle of the defense, which I think that's his expectation. Danny Stutzman has very, very high expectations going into next year. And he's going to have to learn to walk and act like that dude if he wants to be that type of player. And it sounds like he and BV have had those those conversations, those tough conversations. Well, and he's already done a ton of good things with, uh, you know, obviously not that next level commitment that it sounds like he's turning that corner on. So, sky's the limit. You you start, you know, having things click into place upstairs, and then all of a sudden the talent meets the uh, – expectation meets you know obviously the work ethic Josiah Wagner Macari Vickers and Kendall Dolby are all working at corner per uh, Brent Venables uh, Reggie Pearson and Peyton Bowen in particular uh, working at safety right now uh, Brent said quote we have to become a better smarter situational football team 
He thinks they're a lot further along. They have a veteran group that can teach the 26 newcomers. A year ago, everyone was a newcomer. So, yeah, they were kind of scrambling going into spring ball last year. I think spring ball this year, which is in, what Brent say, 33 days until their first practice for spring ball, they're in a little bit better of a situation right now to actually get some real development in versus just trying to get acclimated to everything that that's, that, that's new. Well, and, they, and, they, and they've got to develop. They, they've got to have an awesome spring. If, if, we're t- if we're talking about a team that's needing to win 11 games next year, which I think they need to win 10 or 11 games next year, they've got to make some major strides in the spring. goes without saying, I know, but it's true. No doubt. And it's, it's huge in that respect that somebody we're talking about here, Danny Stutzman, okay, back, has been around, has played a lot of football at Oklahoma, understands now – better what Brent Venables wants, right? And there's a couple of guys like that defensively, but you think of him, and then offensively you think of Dylan Gabriel. I mean, that is right there, two of your most important positions, respective uh, sides of the football, and you got both of those guys back. Uh, One more. Brent Venables on Jackson Arnold, quote, he's smart, tough, driven, and humble. He's very ambitious. He's not waiting to be great. He's trying to learn and grow, and it's it's a very refreshing thing to be around, end quote. So I, I've got a few uh, audio clips that we'll play uh, next hour. And I think Connor's – is Connor still back there cutting up some audio clips? I think I, he might be. I don't know. I don't know if he's in the lab or not. <laughs> yeah. We can find out. Did he, did he bail on us after 20 minutes? I, I guess we'll find out here. I uh, hope not, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, back to the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Can you recap what you were saying about the playbook missed until the very end? Yeah, so Rick Venables was saying that it took Danny Stutzman – eight to ten weeks last year to ask for a playbook. Obviously, that wasn't eight to ten weeks into the season. That was eight to ten weeks from when Brent Venables took over the job. And it sounds like Brent had conversations with him like, you want to be the funny guy or you want to be the great linebacker? Because if you want to be the great linebacker, we got to start changing some of these habits. And according to Brent Venables, he started to change a lot of those habits, and he's taken himself I think I still think he is a funny guy, but he's taken himself seemingly a lot more serious in terms of development and trying to be what that defense needs him to be next year. That's well, what it sounds like. And after the what the podcast on the Prairie incident, shall we call it, Brent Venables was was right there to go to bat for Danny Stutzman. I mean, he was the first guy to say, well, you know, he's. I would say that Danny Stutzman's had a fabulous 2022 season could be better but he was uh, the first one to say that it's been pretty good questions that listeners would ask today from the 918 how is it playing against kansas state nobody has asked that question this oh, year stop gosh <laughs> what's it well that that is going to be weird now that you don't play kansas state maybe they'll ask him about not playing kansas state this year because you know bob every single year got the kansas state question what did he learn under bill snyder so maybe it'll be like, what's it like being in the Big 12 and not getting to play Kansas State? Is there anywhere over there where maybe we need to retire that question? I don't know if there's a area Yeah, for, for about 10 flag. years now, we, we should have retired that question. What do you think about playing Kansas State? Well, and right here's the, what do you think about playing Kansas State, Wall? Uh, Dallas Bill says, I always thought Mizzou was a football recruiting rival with their women's soccer program. Uh, As a former roughneck, I recall Missouri having the grass really high on their field, trying to slow down the wishbone. Yeah, text line right now saying, there's Mizzou's trash, been there and done that, give us something new, that's from Brooke. Um, Basically saying, no, Mizzou is not a rival. And I've never considered, NCAA football, back in the day, 
always had Missouri listed as a rival for OU. And I know they played for the Peace Pipe at one point, but maybe Mizzou claims OU as a rival, but I assure you, judging by the text line and Twitter today, OU does not claim Mizzou as a rival. I don't think I don't think on either side they do. I mean, to Missouri, it would be Kansas, and I don't know who else they would consider a rival. Rival Illinois, Illinois maybe. Yeah. They used to play them every single year. I mean, it would be those two. I, I don't think Missouri fans would say Arkansas OU. now. Um, I mean, they kind of had that forced rivalry between the two that they play every single Thanksgiving weekend. But you're right. I don't even know if Mizzou would. It's an old acquaintance, old acquaintance. You know, I I understand why you'd put Oklahoma and Missouri together, but frankly, it's you know it's not altogether exciting. There's other options. It does make for a more manageable SEC schedule, though. I guess if you play Missouri. How about was it Mandel the other day that had Florida as one of Oklahoma's? It was uh, Andy Staples, actually. Oh. My my sincere apologies, Andy, for mixing you and Mandela. What an what an insult! <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, we spent a whole lot of time on that. Actually, um, we were definitely aboard the idea of someone random and building a new rivalry because you could build a new rivalry with Florida, and I think that would be a lot of fun. And from the recruiting front, like, how great would that be if you're playing in Florida every other year, man? Like my uh, my three permanent rivals wish list just for recruiting purposes, Josh. You play Florida, you play Texas, and you play – I got to hate Missouri. But playing Missouri every single year for that Kansas City area would be huge. Sure. Yeah, no, that's a that point. Kansas City area, man, they are turning out some dudes here recently. And not just, you know, four-star receivers or, you know, they got a really good quarterback. It's not producing skill position talent. Kansas City is producing down linemen, like the big boys that you need to win – a national championship. And I think maybe Kansas City has always been an underrated area in terms of top-flight football talent. I just wonder how much the Kansas City Chiefs having success has maybe kind of built up even more uh, you know, football in that area. Because when I think of Kansas City historically, I think of great high school basketball. And they've had great high school basketball players there. Uh, the Rush brothers, uh, Kareem and Brandon are from there, so many other players. But it, it's kind of like they're a, almost a football town now. Yeah, I don't know if it's just going in this cyclical wave for, for the Kansas City Metro, but I'm with you. You, you think of Caden Green and, you know, obviously uh, – Winery, uh, P.J. Atabare. Yeah, I mean, you're talking like a few, man. high, high blue chip guys. Yeah, they had uh, – who's it? Uh, Edric, Edric Hill was from the Kansas City area, who I believe he ended up signing with Alabama last year. I mean, think about that. We just named off four players, right? P.J. Atabare, five-star edge. Winery, five-star defensive lineman. Caden Green, four-star offensive tackle, mm-hmm. and then uh, Idra Kill, I think he was a four-star defensive lineman. That sounds like the state of Georgia or something. <laughs> I know. That, that sounds like Atlanta, right? Or um, maybe Tampa, like somewhere in the southeast. That doesn't sound like what you think Kansas City would be producing. Yeah, I, I kind of think we're just riding one of those hot waves right now in uh, Kansas City, but we'll see, right? Let's see what the next five, ten years has up there. Maybe it is turning into a little hidden hotbed. Maybe they're producing some of, so many of these uh, down linemen because uh, Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown are walking around with zero sacks t-shirts yeah, like be. they were yesterday. Was could that be. not cool? That's pretty awesome. Zero sacks t-shirts that they had during the, uh, during the parade yesterday. And they weren't half as drunk as Patrick Mahomes either. Takes a little, takes a few more beers to get those big offensive linemen as uh, slurred as Patrick Mahomes was yesterday. Yeah, 
Creed Humphrey, I think, knows how to knows how <laughs> yeah. to knock out a thirty pack. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, what a final segment of Locked In coming up next. 405-651-3439. We'll get to your text and more on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref. Final segment of Locked In, The Rush, coming up next. Travis Davidson will join me today from 3 to 6. To the Air Comfort Solutions text line we go. Will Creed Humphrey be Oklahoma's most successful offensive lineman in the NFL in history? I guess I can't go ahead and say no to that, but I think it's going to be Trent Williams, most likely. Lane Johnson could have a chance for that, but I I think it's... I think it's probably going to be Trent Williams. Uh, he's been in the league for over a decade, and he's still playing at an extremely high level. Tough to unseat those guys, man. Trent Williams would be top, top, top of the list. But, man, Oklahoma just across the board on the offensive line has got a bunch of guys that are doing and have done great things in the league. So that's a – I mean, if you narrow it down, it's if, if it's not center, tackle, or guard, like if you leave it up to offensive line, it's tough. There's a yeah. great debate I think you can have. Is the OU press conference being televised or streamed this afternoon? I – no, I don't, I don't think so, which is a little bit crazy to me. They were – It's not to, on ESPN Plus? Uh, I don't – I didn't see it on ESPN Plus if it was there. But we have the uh, technology here to stream the uh, – or get the audio feed live to the station. But normally they – like for the uh, press conference during the week, during the season, they'll send out a link to watch it on Sooner Sports. But I didn't I didn't even see that today. Hmm. I didn't see that today. It's the off-season so. for everybody. Yeah. But I'll put as many of those video clips as I can on our Twitter page. I guarantee you that. Yeah, well, that's actually, I mean, good news for us, sort of. Peyton says, uh, I think it's got to be Trent Williams. Uh, I would agree with that, yes. Uh, Mahomes all giggles after half of an umbrella drink. Apparently, Mahomes can actually put him away. He was just uh, well, I think he's, he's feeling real good yesterday. Well, I don't think he stopped drinking from the, Probably the game not. got over. Probably uh, had a few at Disney World when he was there and just didn't stop until the parade yesterday in <laughs> Kansas City. He was definitely he was definitely wasted, though. Hey, uh, before you get out of here, um, curious your thoughts on this. So just the SEC as a whole when it comes to football. One thing that gives you confidence, OU's going to be fine in that league. They're going to be okay. One thing that makes you – and a little bit shaky on the future of this program going into a new conference. We'll start with the first one. What gives you confidence that quit freaking out, everything's going to be okay? The way they're signing recruits left and right, man, the way this, this staff can recruit. They're clearly bringing big-time talent in and uh, the track record of those involved. And, you know, unfortunately, the, the second question I would answer by saying – Unfortunately, the, the track record of what we just saw last season is what that, – that's the only thing that scares me is that it was 6-7. and seven. I, I'm, I'm very confident they're going to get things figured out, but that would be our sign that the writing's on the wall. Well, maybe it's not going to get figured out. I think it is because of the people that are involved and the players that they're signing. I'm not intimidated by who you're going to see in the SEC, Tyler. To me, I've kind of always – and you'll remember back when we did the, the Peach Bowl game. Yeah, we got in trouble. They said, you guys are being way too loud. Shut up. <laughs> that, that, that happened that night. I, I, I'll never forget that. But we're mad. But, yes, you said OU's got to move to the SEC. I, I, I remember that night, yes. Got, you got said OU's not going to win another national championship until OU moves to the SEC. And I still I, feel that way today. And I feel that way today. Like Everyone's ask, acting like the big risk is moving to the SEC. No. The big risk was if you, if you stayed pat in the Big 12 and you were working at a disadvantage Money-wise, recruiting-wise, that that was the big that was the big gamble. If you would have just stayed around, dude, 
imagine, I said this yesterday with Teddy, imagine how everyone or how much everyone would be freaking out right now if USC and UCLA were headed to the Big Ten in 2024, right? The SEC, maybe they wanted to add two more teams and they've added Clemson and Florida State by now. Imagine how everyone would feel right now if all of this was happening again and OU just kind of stood on the sidelines and said, no, we're good in the Big 12. What if, what if say, it was Texas and Clemson that got in? It was Texas yeah. went, but without you. It would be really bad then. Right? That's what I'm saying. It's uh, People would be in full-on panic mode. So it's going to be okay. I mean, things are going to be fine. They're going to win big just like they've won big uh, everywhere else they've been. Uh, yeah, by the way, what you're talking about, you're, what you're a little bit shaky about, five stars in the previous five years. And let me just say this. I don't think these numbers for OU are going to I, – I think these numbers are going to improve moving forward, their, their overall five-star count. OU's had seven five-stars the past five years. Um, Georgia's had 23, and Alabama's had 26. Yeah. LSU's had 11, Texas's had 10, A&M's had 15. I think those numbers – I don't think OU's going to have more five-stars than Georgia or Alabama, don't get me wrong. But I do think with their ability to recruit on the defensive side of the ball – they're they're going to be able to land more five stars moving forward, at well, least I think. And, and assuming things you know uptick, which I think they will this season and beyond, and Venables gets this thing rolling, he's already shown you that he's landing five stars. He's yeah. done that. He's what he's got three in this class. Yeah, three in this class, and two of them are defensive guys. Man, I mean, we we've seen OU land three five stars before, but there was like three wide receivers that were there. High-impact positions this time around. And none of those guys stuck either. Yeah. Uh, still no commits in the uh, 2024 class, and no one's freaking out just yet. What, what's the deadline, Josh? What's the hard deadline if they don't have a commit in the 2024 class by when? Are people going to start getting impatient? Probably next week. Yeah. No, uh, you know. Saw it last year. The, the spring game, right? You start getting around the spring game and you haven't gotten one name, I think people will be a little concerned. Yeah, still waiting on Michael Hawkins to see what he's going to do. Um, maybe that's a little bit tougher of a battle with TCU than we're initially thinking. Summer was huge. Summer was huge for this program last year. Yeah, no no doubt. All right, uh, appreciate Josh hopping in for an extra hour today. I got Travis coming up next with me. Keep hammering the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. The rush is next.